I can feel you pulling things around in there. <clears throat> it's a brand new organ. Never before seen. We've all felt that the body was empty. Empty of meaning. And we've wanted to confirm that. So that we could fill it with meaning. The world is a much more dangerous place now that pain has all but disappeared. to map the chaos inside. Guide us, create a map that will guide us into the heart of darkness. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Turek. And Derek Wong. So tonight we are talking about David Cronenberg's latest film. After eight long years, he's finally got a new film out. It's titled Crimes of the Future, and it stars Viggo Mortensen, Lea Seydoux, and Kristen Stewart. Big return to body horror for David Cronenberg. This movie premiered at Cannes uh, last month, and there's a bit of buzz around the movie, and I saw this last week. I did not go to Cannes this year, but I saw it last week when it was released. What about you guys? When did you guys see this? Two days ago? <laughs> over the weekend, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw it over the weekend as well. The big thing around this movie was like, oh, it's David Cronenberg back in gross-out mode, people walking out. But I feel like the news of the walkouts and how disgusting this movie is was definitely overblown. I don't think it was that gross. I feel like the walkouts were not warranted. Although one person did walk out of my theater. I think... Really? Yeah, within the first 15 minutes when Viggo Mortensen and Leia Seydoux in the module, I think they had already lost that person. So he was just like, I'm out. And he walked out. And he never came back. <laughs> but this movie definitely throws you in the deep end with the world building and this dystopian world. And it's hard to parse through all the bits and pieces. But I love this movie, actually. I think it has very, very interesting things to say about art and performance and its place in society. And if you're looking at a movie like Men from a couple of weeks ago, if you think that movie is sledgehammer subtle and that movie is like a poison, then this is kind of the antidote, I feel. <laughs> what did you guys think? I didn't quite understand this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I was still trying to figure out when it ended. So I was kind of just like, wow, this ended way too soon. Like I thought there was more coming. I didn't think it was going to end when it did. And I definitely was left to say, like, what the fuck did I just watch? 
but I think I loved it. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> I'm just not sure because I, I'm not sure if I got all of it. But yeah, I, I think it rocked. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if it did. <laughs> what about you, Derek? What do you think? Uh, I think it's very apt that you bring up our men review, Jeff, because uh-huh. I think I'm on the opposite poll on this one again. From what you said about men, it's obvious that you would end up here, well, right? No, the really funny thing is that I think what you didn't like about men, I don't like about this movie where it uses exposition so heavily to explain everything that it's overbearing. There is no room for interpretation. Sometimes it's like there are just scenes where the character tells you exactly how you should feel because that's exactly how they feel in that moment. And Mm. so it's kind of interesting that I think we flipped a little bit, right? (laughs) Where you love this movie. And I don't hate this movie. I think some of the visuals are really, really cool. And like you, I don't think the gross out moments are that gross. I think Mm -hmm. some of the quote unquote art of this movie is like really, really cool. I say that as because, you know, a lot of the movie revolves around like what is art, body art slash body horror. Mm-hmm. All that was really interesting in this movie. But yeah, I just find it so funny because I felt this is where this was going to go, where you loved it. I maybe didn't love it as much as you. And we were going to flip on what we thought when it came to men versus this. Yeah. But I was going to say, I can give specific examples later when we get into more spoilery things. I think the things that they explain in this movie, they have to be explained. But the mm-hmm. takeaway in the end is still up to you to decide what you feel about the Viggo Mortensen character, Mm -hmm. Saul Tenser, and what his experience is, right? And, like, what happens to his views on his own art and how it relates to the society that's crumbling around him. And what I really, really like about this movie is Kristen Stewart, really. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Kristen Stewart's so fun in this movie. Some people, like take one look at her performance and like, she's terrible in this. But I don't know, acting's not all about reality or like realism, right? And she's taking her twitchy persona that people have been making fun of her for her entire career that started with Twilight, and she's blowing it up into like epic proportions. And I think she's phenomenal in her deliveries here. She's so funny. And this movie is funny. This movie is darkly, darkly funny. And that Mm -hmm. was not something that I was expecting. But I guess we should give a little synopsis, right? So Viggo Mortensen and Leia Seydoux, they play these performance artists in this undetermined future. I believe they're in Greece. It's Athens? I think they're in Canada, but it's shot in Athens. They're in Canada in this movie? or it's? I think so, yes. Did they mention Canada in this movie? I don't think so. But I don't think they mentioned Athens either. This is all just I, uh, Yeah, I don't know how to answer your question because I don't think I caught where this yeah, potentially I, I had no be. idea yeah. where it was. I just, just from reading stuff afterwards, uh, my impression was that it's in Canada, but they shot in Athens. Okay. But I could be wrong. Because I think the part of the story with this movie is that it was written like 20 years ago or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I listened to an interview that he gave and he talks about having written this movie a while ago and he was like ready to just let it go and not really ever make it. And then, you know, one of his, I think a buddy of his kind of brought it back up. It's like, hey, how do you think about doing like Crimes of the Future? Because, mm-hmm. he, you know, they thought the script was very apt and very appropriate for where we are as a society too. Written in 1998 and more pressing than ever now. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So this movie surrounds these two characters, Saul Tenser and his partner Caprice, played by Viggo Mortensen and Leia Seydoux. And they are avant-garde celebrity performance artists, and they live in this near future 
where society is crumbling and everything is like synthetic and people's bodies are undergoing mutations and transformations to adapt to this synthetic environment. And Saul Tensor, he has this accelerated evolution syndrome where he grows organs randomly within his body. And his performance with Caprice is that he lies in this pod and Caprice performs surgery to remove these organs. And that is their performance. That's what their art is. And there are all these different governmental factions and like conspiracies that slowly get uncovered throughout the movie. There's like the new vice unit and the national organ registry. It can get very, very confusing, <laughs> but I think everything does come together in the end. Uh, to rewind a little bit, should we talk a little bit about David Cronenberg? Because he's one of my favorite directors. I don't know how much experience you guys have with David Cronenberg. I feel like I say this a lot, but this is like a weird anomaly. I don't think I've ever seen any David Cronenberg movie before this. Really? Really? The absolute first. This is the absolute first David Cronenberg movie you've seen. Yeah, I've looked back at his filmography and it's like, oh, okay, I've always thought about watching it. Like, I've never watched The Fly. I've never watched History of Violence. Like, those are probably the two that I might have watched in his filmography. I've never had a chance to. I've never had, like, an urge. I know he's, like, this acclaimed director in some people's eyes. And, like, I don't know. The funny thing is I've seen his son's movie before his, right? Brandon? Is it Brandon? That's yeah. so interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Possessive. Yeah, yeah. It's easy for me to say that I didn't really have any kind of expectations going into this. But also, I, I know you guys are like really excited about watching this movie beforehand and like You have nothing to gauge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to gauge from. So I like I didn't have that same excitement. So that's I think partially why I came out of this movie like lukewarm, but also still liking a lot of it. A, a certain parts of it like I really did like. Uh, but sorry, Amir, you were saying, what is your history with? Well, that's probably, I'm glad you went first, because I think I'm in between you and Jeff. I've seen mm-hmm. some, but not all of his stuff. I'm actually less familiar with his, like, star-making, more Quinnenbrungian work. Um, you know, the stuff that made his name, the, the, the Brood Scanners, Videodrome. I'm actually less familiar with that stuff. I've seen The Fly, but I really am more familiar with his more recent stuff. Existence, History of Violence, Eastern Promises. Those are the movies I actually know a lot more. And so it's interesting, like, he's known for these body horror, sci-fi, dark sort of movies. And I actually, I missed most of those. I actually know him more for the, the other genre experimentation he's been doing more recently. But I love his stuff. I've I, I, I liked pretty much everything I've seen of his. I and mean, I was really excited to see him kind of go back to his roots here and kind of get to experience a recapitulation or another take on his original body of work. Um, I guess this was written back then, so it really is like a... Throwback to... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. A take that was frozen in time, being dethawed now. But yeah, um, I was really excited for this. What about you, Jeff? You, I guess you've probably seen almost everything. Uh, I haven't seen everything, but I've seen most of his stuff. I mean, I just filled in the original Crimes of the Future, which shares a name, but pretty much nothing else. A little through line here and there. Um, with the themes, but that's more of like an art thesis, 60 minute silent film than like a direct predecessor to this Crimes of the Future. But yeah, I've seen like Rabid, The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome, The Dead Zone, The Fly, all that stuff. My favorite Cronenberg is probably Crash. If you guys haven't seen Crash, it was just added to the Criterion Collection. So um, if you want to do that, you can watch that. It's Fantastic. James Spader. Best Picture winner movie, Crash? No. no, 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 no. <laughs> 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 
This is the far superior. <laughs> this is the infamous movie about the people who are aroused by car crashes, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Titan? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did have a question for you, Jeff, and, and I guess um, Amir, because you've seen some of these movies. So is this the first – I know this is not the first collaboration between Viggo Mortensen and – David Cronenberg. This is actually their mm-hmm. fourth, right? But is this yes. the first that kind of leans more into that body horror stuff? Yes. Yes. I would yes, say absolutely. so. Because History of Violence, Eastern Promises, and uh, Dangerous Method are all... Uh, A little more grounded. Yeah, very different from this original. Although there's some gnarly stuff in Eastern Promises and A History of Violence, too, but... Those movies rock. They're so good. <laughs> yeah, they do rock. Um, nothing... That's like classic Cronenberg body horror. Those are not like dark sci-fi body horror movies. Those are like ultraviolet action thriller. Yeah. And that's like probably the most mainstream. Yeah. The most accessible, I would say. His movies get. Like the most accessible of his stuff is probably those two. History of Violence and maybe Eastern Promises. I would even say A Dangerous Method because that's like a historical drama film. Mm. That movie gets weird, but that's also like a little more mainstream and accessible than... I don't know, something like Crash or Existence or something like that, you know? Yeah, Existence is fucking weird. All right. Should we get into a little bit more of the details and, and maybe some more spoilery things revolving around his latest feature, Crimes of the Future? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess I'll start. I think the thing I love the most about this movie and like I think the thing I took away that I, I probably will kind of look back and enjoy the most was Viggo Mortensen's performance as Saul Tensor. Mm-hmm. I love the way he contorts his body the way he changes his voice and just like kind of the mannerisms he creates with his character and really brings life to this character of like Saul Tensor who's chronically suffering from pain and like body is like constantly kind of evolving right in a sense or Mm -hmm. always changing because he's like growing these organs and the way his body reacts to that I thought that was all really really fascinating and like uh, honestly a great performance by him yeah Everyone's a freak in this movie. I love it. Yeah, that's interesting. He is subdued, and I appreciate what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's great in this, but for me, I think it's the two ladies who stand out. Um, mm-hmm. Leah Sadu and uh, and Kristen Stewart, I think. Excuse me, so the four great. ladies, okay? Wait, what? <laughs> I love the lesbian oh, yeah. technicians, too. Yeah, that's they're true. Awesome. They're excellent. <laughs> they're great. But they're not leads, you know what I mean? Um, they're not leads, yeah. But they yeah. rock. Um, yeah, so Caprice and Saul really do a really good job of portraying an intimate relationship of two people who've been together for a long time, who are artists and who think about the nature of art and kind of know each other well and can play with each other and tease. And like, it's a very uh, rich relationship. I really do like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love the twitchiness of Kristen Stewart's character. I wish we had more of her in this movie, honestly. Yeah, I do wish we got more of her. I was a little disappointed we didn't get more of her. I think she's so good. Yeah. For me, her performance, it's hard for me to gauge if I like it entirely as much as like you jeff or even you amir i think it does border on i think i recognize that it's purposeful but it is too much leaning into that quirkiness i think she gets kind of categorized as and parts of times i'm watching this movie and i'm like is this purposeful or is this what you think that needs to be done for this scene i don't know because from my understanding of like cronenberg Reading about this and like the way he interacts with his actors, he kind of leads it all a a lot up to the actors, right? He like doesn't like to direct them too much. So if you love Kristen Stewart's performance, it's because, well, probably Kristen Stewart made a lot of those choices for herself. But if you don't, that's also like on her, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's definitely purposeful. 
Yeah, I, I would say I don't hate it, but I don't think I love it as much as you guys. I think there's some stuff in here I didn't fully understand. Probably okay. starting with the uh, the lesbian technicians and all the factions in the movie. It's a little bit unclear to me who exactly is who. So yes. So let's run down the factions in this movie, right? Because there are a lot of them. So there's the government, right? The yes. um, The new vice unit. And they are hunting down anybody who is capitalizing on the new evolution Yes, to do these extreme surgeries. It's not even the central thesis of the movie. It's just like the table setters that you can get to a place where Cronenberg can do things he wants to do. But apparently right. people don't really feel pain anymore. An infection yes. doesn't exist. So anyone can just do surgery because like it doesn't hurt and can't get infected. So surgery has become the new sex. And so people are just doing like rogue surgery on each other without consequence. And so the government is cracking down on, I guess, both people who are doing these surgeries, but also people who are okay with their new mutations. So the government thinks that it's these new mutations that everybody's having are like dangerous to the social fabric. And so it wants to control them. And so in order to do that, they've actually enlisted Saul as an undercover agent. And he's working kind of against his colleagues in the art slash surgery uh, (laughs) industry. And so he actually is a sort of a double agent working for the police and delivering information on what's going on. Okay, so that actually isn't entirely accurate because the ones who are embracing the mutations and the evolution – in the art scene, that's called the inner beauty pageant, right? But Saul is not part mm. of that because he's cutting out the parts that are mutating yes. and like the yes. new organs. So he's part of a different art scene. I think there's a part of this movie where he is looking at the inner beauty pageant and seeing all these people who are embracing their mutations and their new organs. And he questions whether that art scene has passed him by and like these people are better than he is and i think the funniest part of this movie is there's this guy this ear guy right and he's a big part of the film's marketing and they push him a lot in all the imagery and stuff but the funniest thing is that the takeaway of the ear guy is that he fucking sucks and his art sucks right because like he has like, <laughs> one sponsor where he's like oh well this guy the ear guy he's a terrible artist like it's all superficial it's not really art the ears, they're not even functional. They don't even work, right? So I thought mm-hmm. that was hilarious. But yeah, so there's these two different art worlds, I feel. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But you're correct, yes. There are these different factions. And then there's also this faction of plastic eaters. And this is kind of like the bookend of the movie where the the beginning of the movie has this child who is eating plastic and... There's kind of like a the fly imagery where he spits out the enzymes that dissolves the plastic and then he eats it. And his mother is like disgusted and she calls him like a creature. And the first scene ends with her smothering him with a pillow and the kid's father comes to pick up the body. His name is Lang, I think. And he comes back later and he wants Saul to perform an autopsy on his son as a performance piece. But also because Lang is part of these plastic-eating cultists who have modified their bodies to be able to 
eat synthetic materials. And he believes that they've passed down these man-made mutations they've given themselves to his son naturally. And he wants to show the world that his son's mutations are like natural. And he wants to push people towards this embrace of, you know, mutations and evolution that helps them in this increasingly unforgiving world where people can't even like eat normal food anymore. All right. So what else are you confused about? Okay. I am confused. Who are the two women that, spoilers, kill Scott Stevens' character? So they build the units that Saul performs a surgery in. So like the Sark unit, and they're like the technicians for those units. I don't know if maybe I was a little confused by this, but like by the end of the movie, it seems like they're planted agents of some sort because they killed the other doctor, right? Yes. Okay. So I think this, Amir, you were confused about this too, about the two technicians, right? So I don't think it's clear that they're new vice agents or that they're like undercover or anything, but they could be. So the whole thing is that the evolution and like the growth of these organs and the embrace of that is bad business for these machines, right? Because Saul uses them to force himself to eat things and to deal with the pain from the environment around him. But if he gives in to the mutations, then he doesn't need those machines anymore. So that's like kind of like the old guard corporate interest, right? To kill people who are embracing the the mutations and the evolution. Maybe they're corporate assassins or whatever, right? Yeah, something like that. And, Interesting. Uh, it's the same thing with the surgeon, the plastic surgeon, because he's part of the inner beauty pageant, right? So he mm-hmm. wants people to embrace that too, and they murder him as well. Okay, I like that. I think that kind of makes sense. So they're also sort of their own free-floating weird faction. Yeah. So then we actually haven't even mentioned Kristen Stewart's character and where she fits in all of this. Mm-hmm. So she's another agent of the government, right? She's Timlin and then uh, what's her boss's name? Whippet. <laughs> and Whippet, yeah. Timlin and Whippet. Yeah. And they work for, uh, what is it? The National Organ Registry. Yeah, the National Organ Registry. Mm-hmm. And so they've been working with Saul for a long time to catalog all of his new organs that he's been developing. Right. And they're supposed to um, just catalog these things and not sort of get involved. But Saul is like a celebrity and he's essentially like, I don't know, half performance arts, half porn star, kind of. I think that's a good way of putting it, yeah. It's a very horny movie and he makes people very horny. And like, <laughs> yeah, he makes Timlin very horny. That's for sure. <laughs> well, he's got this very magnetic attraction because also her boss Whippet is also like, I shouldn't be here, but he's actually so attracted to, I guess not just Saul, but to this whole scene that he's actually yeah. in secret, although he's supposed to be working for the government and supposed to be against these mutations in secret, he's running the inner beauty pageant, which is like, you know, you judge people based on the beauty of their new mutated organs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're sort of their own weird faction too yeah we've talked about the government we haven't actually talked about the character of the police officer who saul's working with Mm -hmm. right he's kind of our representative of the government and the government's interests in this uh detective cope yes (laughs) detective cope (laughs) which is a very very (laughs) funny name that is a very funny name i guess to to draw it all together and then we can talk about if anything's still confusing the lady who kills her plastic son her, uh, her husband wants saul to do this autopsy this live autopsy to prove to people that uh, he's passed these organs on to his son, and that his son was like the start of like a new race of, I don't know, mutants who are like 
adapted to the new world, which I guess is overrun by trash and synthetic uh, objects, right? We just destroy like the waste at, yeah. at this point, uh-huh. right? And so we need to learn to eat waste in order to live in this world. And so he wants to prove this. And so, like, after some reservations, Saul and Caprice, uh, Vigo and Aaliyah, they do the live autopsy. The organs, the new organs, are all tattooed, which is uh, what Caprice does to Saul's organs. She'll, like, tattoo his organs and then they pull them out as part of the show. So this mm-hmm. makes it look as if the organs in the kid are not natural. Right. And so the dad is horrified because he's like, oh, this is, like, not true. This is desecration or whatever. And then he's killed by the... Um, uh, but the, tech the technicians we yeah. talked about earlier. Uh, and Detective Cope says that he hired somebody. There's like a mole on the inside of the plastic unit. And that person somehow got to this body before the autopsy and was able to tattoo the organs in order to sabotage this whole thing because they don't want people knowing about the power of mutation or, or, or right. starting to accept it. Or else they just lose control completely. Right. Does that all kind of follow? All make sense? That's it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, then throughout the movie, it, it, we, we didn't emphasize this, but even from the very beginning, Saul's having all this trouble eating. And he needs the use of this special chair in order to eat, in order to stimulate digestion. He's just having more and more trouble processing food. And he also needs a machine to help him sleep, right? Because he's feeling a lot more pain. Yeah, yeah. He needs a special bed, and it turns him in special ways in order to reduce his pain. And so he's having all this difficulty eating throughout the movie. That kind of is important to the climax here, right? So, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys want to talk about the end, and then we'll kind of move back around and see if there's anything we missed. Yeah, we can talk about the end. I love the ending, just because how abrupt it is. I was like, that's it? But then, like, yeah. when you think about it, it's such a powerful image to end the movie on, and I totally love it. At the end of this movie, Saul starts to embrace his mutation, so he picks up this purple chocolate bar. It's a bar of synthetics, a bar of plastic synthetics. And we're told that this is fatal to uh, non-evolved humans, right? To normal people, this is fatal. We've seen people in the movie die from eating it. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the movie, some guy eats it because uh, Scott Speedman's Lang leaves the bar on a table and some guy eats it and he just immediately dies, right? But worst undercover agent ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> one of the undercover agents, he says. Yeah, I think like, probably one of the like, cops, right? The cop says that that was one of his guys and he's dead now. I'm like, who who just picks up a bar not knowing what's yeah, going to do? Yeah, I thought it was eats. like an assassination or something. I was like, this doesn't didn't quite make sense. But um, yeah, at the end of the movie, Saul finally embraces his new mutations. And uh, he's trying to eat with the chair. And he finally just gives up and asks Caprice to bring him one of the plastic synthetic bars. And he chews on that. He's able to eat it. And then the movie just ends. And he's got like this look of euphoria on his face as the movie yeah. ends. It's such a powerful image. Well, I was going to say, typically he removes these organs pretty fast out of his yes. system, you know, as part of an art piece, but also to not really understand, like, how it's really going to change his body and, like, how it's going to evolve his body. But, like, this particular instance or, like, this particular time, he like he feels another organ growing, but then, like, I think, wasn't it Caprice that asked, like, oh, do you want to do another show then soon? And he purposely chooses not to and to kind of see where this leads. I think the through line's nice where, like, at the end, you know, like, it's it, it's gone to a point where he's suffering so much that he then gives in and decides, like, hey, I'm going to try this bar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a nice through line through for his story throughout the movie mm-hmm. and his embrace of, I guess, you know, this change in his body of, rather than art, but being more of, like, an evolutionary necessity, I guess, for him. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's portrayed as if... That if they left these organs in, that he would be in danger somehow. That seems to be their yeah. belief at first. But yeah, in the end, they kind of just totally do away with that thin fiction and embrace it. 
embrace it, but also it potentially is helping him, right? Because if he's able to now like eat and not feel as much pain and but also it's becoming not human, right? He's going to a place where maybe Caprice can't follow. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of the plot. Was there anything else confusing about this, Derek? Anything else you needed to explain? I'm trying to think if there's anything else I did. For me, it was is mainly those two girls. I got quite lost on that part. When all of a sudden I'm like, wait, so these people are like assassins? Uh, and then, yeah, but I, I think Jeff's understanding is pretty good, or at least the way he, Jeff interprets it, I think is pretty good. I don't disagree that interpretation. Yeah, like I think thinking about it, I feel like that's the only rationale I can come up with that makes sense. You know, they do make a big deal out of these machines and their upkeep and how corporate that technology is, right? Um, so it would make sense that they're in like conspiracy cahoots with the government and like the new vice program. <laughs> You know, um, but I, I don't know. Maybe there is just corporate interest that's driving them to kill them and has nothing to do with like the government crackdown. But I think that ambiguity, you can leave there and it's fine. I'm just more interested in what this movie has to say about art and maybe like a parallel to Cronenberg's own art, right? And I think that's a really fascinating part of this movie. Well, yeah, he sort of almost like uh, look directly at the screen and state the thesis statement part, right? Because right. there's a, a bit in the movie where they're talking about, you know, in-universe, they're talking about the body horror art that these artists are doing and why it's valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Or not valuable. And Cronenberg uh, basically just turns directly to the screen and says to, like, Saul's character, like, yeah, this is art. This is how we express things. This is important. And, right. like, exploring these sort of transgressions of, like, bodily integrity and of, uh, like, what it means to be human and doing all of that through, like... His body horror is, is important, right? Yeah. Um, he, he just comes in and goes, ha, 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 we're all sickos here, ha, ha, ha. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's 100% what it is, yeah. And I don't know, I think, like, it says something about, you know, like, Saul Tenser, he's, like, this famous artist who realizes that his resistance to change is, you know, keeping him from being comfortable and happy, you know, because he can't eat, he can't sleep, but it also makes his art great, right? So I feel like there's that push and pull of, like, real-life artists there, yeah. He always says throughout the movie, like, I don't really know what my body is doing. I don't control it. My body just kind of makes the art. Right. Which is interesting, too. It's like, uh, is it a genius in, in, in the kind of the original sense? Is it some guiding spirit? You know, it, it, this idea that art doesn't come directly from the artist, but it's something transcendental that they're channeling, you know? Versus is he trying to, like, downplay his connection with his own art because he's uncomfortable with it? Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to that. That's, like, the real meat of this movie, and that's what I like so much about it. Well, we sort of have avoided the real meat so far, and we haven't talked about how horny this movie is. This is a movie about <laughs> sex, right? It's a sex yeah, movie, yeah. right? It I mean, we didn't talk movie. about, like, that Leia Sudu eats Viggo Mortensen's pussy. <laughs> right? I mean... His zipper pussy on his stomach. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what this movie is about kind of been dancing around the point but like that's what the movie is about yeah surgery is the new sex like so is the whole movie just an excuse for Cronenberg to like just have fun with that probably is probably it cool for sure yeah, yeah yeah it fucking owns it's, it's still really fun yeah the horniness of this movie is so great like just the idea that a world that's become so toxic and uninhabitable that there's no more pain and like surgery is this new form of entertainment and the old world sex has become so passe that, like, you know, as 
Kristen Stewart says, like, surgery is the new sex, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's some of the funniest stuff in the movie, you know, because, like, we were talking about Saul gets this zipper put in his torso that Leia Seydoux was, like, eating out. And, and then he's like, uh, don't spill it or whatever, which was really funny. I, yeah. I laughed out loud at that. There's also the, the scene where he tries to have an affair with Kristen Stewart and can't do it. Yeah, he's like, I'm bad at the old sex or whatever. That's what he <laughs> which says. is great. It is so funny. Also, the scene where Caprice, I don't know if they're really, are they in like an open relationship or something? Because she kind of cheats on him with that female artist at that thing, right? Yeah. That's sort of like cheating. Like in this world, if you like disappear and then come back with new surgical implants, you've cheated on me, right? Isn't that what that means? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he kind of like seems a little perturbed or like a little He's a little nonplussed, but not like in a you've betrayed me way. So it sounds like they got an open thing going on. Because she Mm -hmm. comes back with these dermal things in her forehead and the proceeding is just like this incredibly like incredibly hot scene with her and that other female artist who's also doing like like, the wounds on her face, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh And they're just clearly so attracted to each other. It's it's really, really, really good. I have to interject a little bit just and I'm going to be me right now. Uh, (laughs) This kind of goes back to what I was saying though really early in my review or in in this talk was that I think this movie though is a little heavy handed and you guys have talked a little bit about it already like almost over explaining what it wants you to feel throughout this whole movie right like the Kristen Stewart always kind of saying like pain is the new sex or surgery is new sex and then like saying like uh, you know, things like I'm bad at the old sex. Like, I kind of wish this movie, like, talked less, in a sense, and, like, let us live in that awkwardness. That scene where they kissed was, like, super awkward. And I could tell then it's underlined with someone having to say the words, oh, I'm mm. bad at the old sex. Mm. That's a fair criticism. That's a yeah. fair, fair criticism, yeah. I think. Yeah, I that's think, interesting. I think that would have conveyed that better. But I also feel like the potential for humor there kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. you know like that's such a memeable line it's like oh i'm bad at the old sex the old or like sex. surgery is the yes. new sex like you can't really give that up you know but mm-hmm. i understand that it would be more elegant and better for the for the world building if it wasn't so overt i i get what you're saying yeah because i really do like the world building in this movie like this idea of that saul's in pain and like he has to have a bed to help him sleep at night i thought the chair was just to help him eat but then you realize it's like something that other people use right too that yeah we see the doctor like the the one doctor that's murdered like he also uses it and like it's just a thing to help you with your digestion right Mm -hmm. It, it has nothing to do with pain but just saul uses it because he is in pain and like i don't know like i think the world building is Really great, this movie. And I, that's one of the more fascinating things about this movie. For me. And to speak about the world building a little bit, when we say like beds and chairs, they don't look like normal beds yes, and chairs, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, you it's, got, it's all stuff out of existence. It's this weird, yeah, soft, biomechanical, techno organic, yeah, techno stuff. organic yeah. stuff. I mean, you have Cronenberg teaming back up with his uh, usual production designer, Carol Spear, right? And it's all this, like you said, like from existence, it's this weird gooey apparatus where it's just like half organic half tech and the beds and like the surgical equipment they have remote controls but they're like these squishy little organs that um leia Seydoux is pressing on it's not like a remote control or like a, a joystick it's like a little squishy thing that she 
pushes and like it lights up. It's so weird and like so, yeah. so specific. It's so cool. I love shit like that. I mean, I, we actually honestly didn't even touch on the new sex that the protagonist and deuteragonist have together. Like Saul and Caprice, we see them have the new sex. I was unsure at first when I watched the movie. I was like, do they actually have normal sex? And I don't think they do, right? They don't. They what don't. What we yeah. see is, the, is them having sex on the autopsy bed with the help of those like surgical instruments cutting themselves and each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's how they have intercourse. Okay, so this is a little confusing to me then. I, I want to ask you guys. So does Saul feel pain, but then still not feel pain, right? Like he's able yeah. to get cut up. But then he still feels like the pain of his organs inside, like he's not able to sleep because of it and eat because of it. Like, I guess that was like a little, I wasn't sure where that line was drawn, like what pain he isn't or is feeling, I guess. Yeah, I think most of the discomfort is just being unable to sleep and like being unable to digest normal food. But Um, it's not like pain. Yeah, I think like the pain of like cutting into each other and you know, being sealed back up with, like, the soldering laser or whatever. I feel like that's not really a thing anymore, but, like, Mm -hmm. the things that you need to do to maintain your body, like, eat and sleep, and not being able to do that, that's where the discomfort comes in, probably. I think that's where the pain of his existence is. I got it. Okay. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up? I mean, yeah, I can't think of that. This is another Vigo Kronenberg banger. The other collaborations they've done are very, very different, but this one's also excellent. So far, I've loved everything I've seen that they've done together. So here's mm-hmm. hoping for more. I know Cronenberg's like 80, but um, here's hoping they can they can ban another one. Well, I don't know if Vigo's going to be in his next movie, but he does talk about his next movie that's already, I think, being written and already basically greenlit, but it's going to star, you guys have to help me with the name, The Gentleman from Titan. Oh, Vincent Linden? Vincent oh. Linden, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. so I'm I'm actually really uh, interested in that collaboration. Yeah, I've only seen him at the time, but he he was great in that. So I I can only be a little bit excited about that collaboration. Yeah, honestly, and we haven't brought this up yet. And I uh, one thing I really loved about this movie is that it is so. And I maybe this is like just Cronenberg, but um, but like the movie's very international, right? It's like it's not just Americans, right? Like Lisa Du is French, and and then I'm not too sure what the ethnicities of the like. Well, I'm going to call them a corporate assassins, but they were clearly like not American either. So like I found it really kind of refreshing to have a little bit more of an international feel to this movie than than just like straight all Americans or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Even though I might like it the least out of all of us, I would still recommend it. I, I think if you like David Cronenberg, I'm pretty sure this is something that you guys would recommend to anyone who likes David Cronenberg, but. Honestly, I think it's it's a unique film. Like I said, the world building, I think, is great. I think the performances are great. And I, I still can definitely recommend this movie. I think all the moving parts come together, maybe not as elegantly as I would like. But when you think about it, things do make sense. And mm-hmm. I haven't stopped thinking about this movie since I've seen it. So I think that's a testament to its power. And absolutely, maybe yeah. one of the better movies I've seen about, like, art and its place in our society and how we go about performance and yeah i mean this is definitely a movie to chew on and i i love it it's fantastic uh i was gonna bring this up and i totally forgot one interpretation also that you kind of read from this movie is about our evolution as humans like Mm -hmm. us now not not just like the humans in this movie but like us is like because of the way pollution has been set already that 
like all of us are already like plastic eaters, right? Like there's so many microplastics in the oceans that like, and then those are eaten by the fish and like we eat those fish. Like we're not very much different than the people that already eat the plastics in this movie Mm -hmm. in a sense that like, it's kind of funny and ironic that there's people trying to stop these people, but yet we are those kind of people. Yeah. Have you ever seen that meme? It's like boomers full of lead versus Gen Zers full of microplastics. <laughs> it's kind of like that, right? I think yes, that's really yes. funny. I mean, there's a lot, lot going on in this movie, you know, with the different messages coming out of it, the different, the factions and all the different kind of stances in this movie. And like, I agree with you, Jeff. I think there's a lot that maybe leaves you a little confused, but then also I don't know if it all comes together, but it's still an entertaining movie. So uh, add to like what you were saying, like, you know, it's just about this world where it mirrors kind of like our world, right? Where maybe our bodies are physically changing to accommodate this environment that's actively trying to kill us. And like this movie wants to know, like, how does the art world fit into that, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's such a deeply interesting way to look at things. So I think I kind of agree with your major criticism of the movie, Derek, in that it, it definitely isn't subtle about the themes or the things it wants to address. They're not hiding at all what this movie is about. Um, it just doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. It's really cool what they did. I think it rules. Um, this is definitely going to be uh, one of my favorites of the year. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. To talk about, Derek, your criticisms, I think a lot of that stuff is just explanations of the world that didn't really need to be there. But like when it comes to like the themes and the things it wants to say about art, it kind of lets you make up your own mind about it and doesn't hold your hand in that regard. And I think that's what makes me give a pass on like all the other stuff. Plus, you get memes, right? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, the memes. You gotta do it for the memes. If that is all, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me getting a zipper installed, but I won't tell you where. <laughs> what about you, Derek? <laughs> you can find me at the world's Okay, it's photos and Screen Asia Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod, so... With that, that'll be the end of this week's episode, and we might not see you next week because my wife is giving birth. (laughs) So we might take a break. (laughs) But we will probably see you guys in two weeks. Yeah. And we're going to introduce you to a new host. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to hear babies just cooing the whole time. That's that's our new host. That would probably do better than we're currently doing. (laughs) It's not a bad idea, Derek. Yeah. All right. Congratulations, bud. We will uh, see you all in two weeks. Thanks. Have a good one, guys.